So Christmas, Christmas, the, di the dilemma for most guys in the room is you say to your wife, what do you want for Christmas? And she says, I don't know. I, no, never says nothing. No, no, no. I, no, never heard nothing. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that doesn't help us because we want to get you a gift, but we're clueless. A number of years ago, I, 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 I worked out all by myself what to give my wife for Christmas and um, totally surprised her. She had been uh, driving a beat-up old car that wasn't particularly reliable. And so a couple of weeks before Christmas, I went to a dealership and uh, chatted with them, and I got this beautiful black car. I said to the guy, can you keep it till like really near to Christmas? He said, well, you need to pick it up Christmas Eve. So I go Christmas Eve to pick it up. And I said, by the way, I'm, I'm paying so much for this car, I want the big bow off the top of it. <laughs> right? No, that's fair enough. You know, and you know what he said? He said, yeah, bring it back in two days. It's like, what the heck? So I, I, so I get in the car and I drive it over to our daughter Charlotte's house and she keeps it in the drive and, and she's going to be coming over to us Christmas morning. So um, Christmas morning, I make sure that Jill doesn't go out the front of the house and uh, Charlotte comes in everything and I whispered to her, everything good, she said, yeah, everything's good. So we do some gifts and uh, I give Jill this little box and she opens the box and there's a car key. And she said, what's this? And I said, come outside and you'll see. So we walked outside the front door and there was her brand new black car with a big red bow on it. Just trying to help you guys. With <laughs> right? And, and, and the very first thing she get, came out of her mouth was, can we afford this? <laughs> And then as someone wisely pointed out to me, good luck with next year, because you've got to pick it up a notch. <laughs> I want to talk about generosity today. Christmas is about the greatest gift of all that God gave us, Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, here's what it says. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's impossible to fully put into words what God did for us by sending Jesus. But the thing is, God's generosity in sending Jesus was not a one-off. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, it describes God this way. It says, God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. How does God give? God gives generously. God gives richly. He richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. In fact, to just take you into one other verse from the New Testament, in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 16, it says this, we all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. 
We were singing earlier, all my life you have been faithful, right? All my life you have been so, so good. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. God is unbelievably generous. And what I want to share with you this morning is an encouragement, particularly over this holiday period, that, that we, I just said holiday, was that allowed? particularly over this Christmas period. Okay, before I post it on social media, which I do this time of year, I usually put a post that says something like this. If somebody says happy holidays to me, I do not correct them and say it's Christmas. I say thank you because I'm a Christian and not a jerk, okay? So, anyway, um, anyway, passing rapidly on. Uh, how did I get there? Dear Lord. <laughs> what I want to encourage you in, in this Christmas season is I want to encourage you, let's reflect our God. Amen. Let's reflect our God. Christmas is a time for generosity. Christmas is a time for givers. And I just want to outline three ways this morning in, 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 in which we should reflect the generosity of God. And I want to say, number one is, be generous with your wealth. Now, you may say, I think you're talking to the wrong people, Rog. But I am going to tell you this. If you slept in a bed last night and got up and had a hot shower this morning and drove or were driven here to service, hey, and if you've got a phone in your purse or your pocket somewhere or even out in front of you because you're checking something else, uh, right? I mean, but but... But the thing is this, if some of the things that we just take for granted as the basics of life, you know, they put us in the top 10% of humanity. So we are blessed. We are blessed. So, so I want to talk about being generous with what we've got. I want to talk about being generous with our worship, keeping God focused through this holiday period. And then I want to talk about being generous with your words, the ways in which we can build each other up and help each other and really make this Christmas season special for others, for all of those around us. Galatians 6 and verse 10, talking about generous, being generous with your wealth or your stuff. I only call it wealth because the other two begin with W, all right? So, so being generous with your stuff. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As the opportunity arises, Let's bless other people. Let's be good to other people. Jesus said this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 8. He said, you have been treated generously. Right? And we have, right? Yes, yes. Dear Lord. We're going to start this again, okay? Uh, okay, if you're new here, this is how it goes, all right? I say something good, you say amen, okay? Doesn't happen often, but if I do say something good, that's what we do, all right? So you have been treated generously, right? Amen. Okay, it doesn't count now because you needed prompting, but anyway. <laughs> but we have, we have. We have been treated generously by God. God is good to us. So, Jesus said, live generously. Live generously. We should be generous people. I was, I was reading something, and it talked about 
they'd identified the top characteristics of the wealthiest of people. And I just got stuck on the first one. You know what the first, the first characteristic of some of the wealthiest people in the world was? It said their number one characteristic is they are narcissists. They believe that they're so special and so different and so deserving and so good that they have the right to possess more than anybody else. And that motivates them so they go after more than anybody else. That's what actually motivates them. Now, another angle, I saw that some research had been done on, on who actually are the most generous people. When it comes to giving to causes of, uh, to help those that are in need, giving to charities, giving to not-for-profits, giving to church ministries, who are the most generous? And here's what they found. Amongst those who say they don't believe in God, 48% of them still gave to causes to help others. Of those who were nominal Christians, that's kind of, I'm a Christian, but they're not really a practicing Christian. Uh, there's not much to add to it apart from they make the statement, I'm a Christian. Among that group of people, 61% of them give to causes that help those in need. Of people who describe themselves of active, committed Christians, 90% of them gave to causes to help other people. So you know what that makes me conclude? Is whatever negative opinions some people out there might have about Christians, we're better givers than they are. And in fact, it's our generosity that finances a lot of the humanitarian causes around us. We may not have the narcissistic mindset to gain great wealth, but we have the caring heart to distribute what wealth we have. Amen. I remember when I started in ministry, well, I vaguely remember, it was so long ago, but I remember when I, when I started in ministry, I, there, there were so many things that kind of uh, made me hesitant. I, I came across, I was 20 years old, and imagine having a 20-year-old pastor. And uh, I came across as kind of being fully confident and fully aware, and I've got all this, but inside I was so insecure still. And uh, I was very hesitant to talk about things that I thought might upset people and I wanted everybody to be happy and I wanted everybody to like me. Now, don't, don't, don't make a mistake. I still want everybody to be happy and I still want everybody to like me, but I know it won't work all the time. It's fine. But that's how I was. I was so reserved. And so some things I, you know, some things I, I wouldn't touch. And I was reading a couple of weeks ago in Paul's first letter to Timothy, now Timothy was a young pastor himself at this point. And here's Paul, the old apostle, and he's writing to this young pastor and says to him, now here's what you've got to, and I'm thinking, me when I was 20, I just couldn't have done this. But here's what he tells him, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Here's what he says. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves. I don't know if I can do that. 
I've said that to a few people in later life, but anyway, <laughs> tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. That's how God wants us to be because that's how God is. He is extravagantly generous. Do good. Be rich in helping others. Be extravagantly generous. But you know, some of us struggle with that because some of us get so anxious about, uh, about money ourselves and it's so difficult to make ends meet at times. And, but you know, here's, here's what I want to tell you. Here's where generosity starts. It's in this verse right in the middle. Tell them to go after God. Tell them to go. And if we can get to a place where we're trusting God and well connected to God, we're going to be in a good place to be generous. I sat in my home office the, the, the other week and um, I clicked the mouse to start my computer up and nothing happened. And I noticed then, I looked down and I saw that the computer was off. I don't usually turn it off at night, but it was off. So I leaned over, I pressed the button, and nothing happened. There's nothing there, whatever. So I got my phone and I Googled, computer won't start up. <laughs> Google's a wonderful thing, you know. So I Googled, and it gave me a whole load of stuff. You know what it said? You know what the first thing was? Plug it in. Plug it in. <laughs> Plug it in. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Dear me. You're a tough crowd. All right, in my defense, it was plugged in, but, but it, it was plugged into a, it's plugged into a, a power strip, and I'd kicked, I guess with my feet under the desk, I'd kicked the power, uh, and, and I'd switched it off. Step number one. But you know what? You know what? When it comes to like getting our lives into a way that we can be a blessing to others, you know what step number one is? Make sure you've got a good God connection. Make sure you've got a good God connection. And I want to tell you this, whatever else might be happening in your life this Sunday morning, I want to tell you this, step one, get a good God connection. Get a good God connection. If everything you love and cherish seems, seems to be kind of imploding on you, make sure you've got a good God connection. If you don't know what way to turn next, make sure you've got a good God connection. And if there's one thing I trust that you will know going out of here today is this. All my problems might not be resolved, but I've got God with me. Amen. And that is the thing that will give you the stability and the peace of mind that you need. Get a good God connection. When we're truly connected to God and live as if He's the source of things, not as though it's all about us, some of our mindset changes. 
There's an interesting verse in Deuteronomy 8, a couple of verses. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and verse 18. Here's what it says. God's speaking to the people of Israel and says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. We, if we're not careful, we can get just too introspective with our stuff. You see, because we've never got quite enough, right? The average American doesn't live on 100% of their income. They live on 110% or 120%, and Visa takes up the slack. You know, that, that's kind of the way a lot of people live, and it's stressful, and there's pressure, and there's no margin to be a blessing to others. Listen, remember this. God gives us the ability to create wealth. So what I've got today is, is mine because of the goodness of God. But, but you know what that means? It means it's not really totally mine. It means that I'm entrusted with what God has blessed me with. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says this, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's able to bless you so that not only will you have what you need, but you will be able to be a blessing to other people's too. Verse 11 of that chapter, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I just want to encourage you this Christmas as we think about God's indescribable gift, let's ourselves just be kind and generous and radically open-hearted so that we can help others. And don't worry about yourself because there's a great verse in the New Testament that if you're around me for long, you'll have heard it plenty of times but it's in the Bible, so I love it, and it's true. God gives seed to sowers. You know what that means? It means if you bless others, God will bless you. But it takes faith to believe that, right? It does, and you may not be there, and, and that's fine. But you might be ready to take the step and say, you know what, I need to help here, I need to do this, or I need to help this person. And it doesn't look like I can do it, but maybe I'm going to do it and see how things go. You never go broke being generous. Crazy wealthy people do not give. You may say, wait a minute, Bill Gates. It's like, yes, Bill Gates is a crazy wealthy person, but here's, you know, it's all, it's, it's, it's all relative, isn't it? If you've got so many billions, then a billion here and a billion there is like pocket change. Crazy wealthy people aren't the ones who drive the, 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 the organizations and the ministries that help people that are in need. Christians do. And Christmas reminds us that God went all in. He put everything he had into our salvation. And if we are plugged into him, the generosity of the Father will be evident in us. Be generous with your wealth, your stuff. And, and then let me say this as we come into Christmas now. Be generous 
with your worship. I, I was saying to someone this morning, I, I've been in church situations over years, many years ago. I, I, the church I, I kind of spent my teenage years in, one Sunday, we, we, just before Christmas, we had a, a Christmas tree probably a little bit bigger than this on the corner of the stage. And one of the dear old ladies in the church walked in with her daughter, looked at the tree, and walked out again. And let the pastor Hello? She would not, hey, she would not be back until the tree was gone. Dear Lord, I hope she's not here today. Well, she wouldn't be, would she? She'd have gone already. There's a, you, you, know, you, you know what? The, the, the whole thing is this. Why, one of the reasons we go all in at Christmas is this. Some of the things we do encourage families to come. And you know what? It's good to be in church at Christmas time. Now, I know it's crazy. But it's kind of right, isn't it? I mean, I know there's so many other things to do and so many other things to take care of and people to visit and gifts to give or gifts to, gifts to buy and this, that, and the other. But isn't it kind of right that we worship God at Christmas time? <laughs> when, when the shepherds uh, were, were told by the angels that Jesus had been born, what the Bible tells us is that they immediately left their sheep. Now, just pause for a moment, because often we just kind of hear or read that story. And they left their sheep, and they went to Bethlehem. It's like, oh, that's cool. Or not, where was it? Where were we? Bethlehem. Right, that's good. Just checking. So they, they left there, and they went to Bethlehem. But, but you know what? <laughs> just think, they left the sheep. This was their livelihood. This was all they had. This was their worth was in these sheep. They left the sheep. Why? Because Jesus took priority. Luke 2, 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. We spend every day prioritizing. Here's what I'm going to do. And sometimes here's what I'm not going to do. I'll have to leave that for some other time. We prioritize our time. And I just want to remind you all today, this is a good month to make sure you keep God first. As we thank God for his indescribable gift. I just want to remind those of you that are parents, and you know this, but I'm going to say it. This world is a mess. And your kids are growing up in it. And we are willing to do our bit to help you to give them strong foundations in God. But they need to be here. And we do everything we can to make it fun for them to be here. Because you know what? I want the kids who are here today to go to school tomorrow. And somebody says, so what did you do this weekend? And they don't say, well, I had to go to church. 
I want them to be able to say, well, you know, we went to church. There was a gigantic tree. You would never believe it. And I got to talk to Santa, and I had my photograph taken with Santa, and we ate pancakes. And we, that's what I want, because why, 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 why should the world have all the fun? You know, we got more to celebrate than they got to celebrate, so why shouldn't we have a better time than they're having? This is a great month to focus on worshiping God. It's also, by the way, just to remind you, it's a great month to invite people to come because there's a good chance that folks might say yes to a Christmas service. And so do work it all you can to invite family and friends to be with us sometime over the next few weeks. In Matthew chapter 2, it talks about the the wise men coming to find Jesus. And it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When they came, they worshipped. They worshipped Jesus. You know, Christmas used to start. Here, here's, here's where some of you younger folks just switch off because it's like, oh, he's doing it again. Uh, Christmas used to start with us around Christmas Eve. And then we had 12 days of Christmas. And then it ended with, with Epiphany, Three Kings Day. And that was the end. Now it starts on July the 5th. <laughs> right? And it's over by lunchtime on December the 25th. <laughs> but traditionally, you, you, you know, Three Kings Day was when the wise men actually arrived at, at, at the stable to see the baby Jesus. They traveled a long, long way because getting to worship Jesus was an absolute priority. And it says, when they came, they bowed down and they worshiped. You know, you know, one of the concepts of worship I've, I've heard is when we worship God, we're expressing God's worth. And when they bowed before Jesus, they were saying, you're greater than I, we are, and you are more important than we are. Make God a priority this Christmas season. Now, as an Englishman by birth uh, and an American by choice, as an Englishman by birth, I like the football that you call soccer. <laughs> right? I do. So, so I'm, I'm intrigued just now. They are playing the, the World Cup of football. Some of you know that, right? The United States tried hard and did good. Anyway. They're out of it. Um, so, <laughs> so, so but, but, but the other day, there was a game between England and Wales. Now, the United Kingdom's a weird kind of setup. It's actually kind of four countries in one. England, Scotland, Ireland. England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Southern Ireland's a separate country by itself. Are you confused yet? All right, so you've got the four countries in one. So for England to play Wales is a bit of a kind of like, like a local derby kind of thing. It was, it was a good game. And, and, and I want to show you a clip of the Welsh fans worshipping <laughs> their team, 
generously. All right, take a look at this clip. There's enthusiasm, right? In case you were trying to pick up the words, they've got their own language in Wales as well. They really do. So it's a bilingual country. They were singing in Welsh. But do you see the fervor, the enthusiasm? Let's be enthusiastic about God during this Christmas season especially. and even sing a few words next Sunday. <laughs> All right, we'll keep moving. But be generous with your worship. And then here's, here's a key one, just to wrap things up here. Let's be generous with our words. God's indescribable gift is Jesus. And if that is how our Father is, let's be like Him and be indescribably generous. Be generous with your words. There's a peanuts cartoon where Snoopy's kind of sliding around on a frozen pond on his bare paws. And he's having a great time. He's sliding from one end of the pond to the other end. And he's getting on really well. And then Lucy comes along and she skates onto the pond with her skates on. And Snoopy does a little twirl and he comes to stand up beside her. And she says to him, that's not skating. That's sliding. And he just stands there and looks up at her as she goes on to lecture him. You don't have skates on. Skating is when you have skates on. You're not skating at all. You're just sliding. And Snoopy just walks off with his little feet out to the side and says, how could I have been so stupid? And I thought I was having fun. Be generous with your words. Be generous with your words. Speak in ways to lift people up. Make a point of saying things to people that will lift them up. The, the Bible says words have the power of life and death, and that might sound dramatic, but the truth is you can push somebody down just like that, but you can lift somebody up just as easily. Amen. Just as easily. And, 
It's so, it's so significant in, in, in John's gospel. You, you know, for years and years and years and years, when, when people said, I think I'm going to read the Bible, where should I start? Somebody told us sometime, because most of us did this, we said, start with John's gospel. Right? That is the most insane per, per, per piece of advice out there. I mean, do you remember how John's gospel starts? So here's the person who doesn't know the Bible too well. Say, here's a good starting place. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I'm lost. I'm lost. Right? I only just started, and I'm lost. I'm done. By the way, if anybody should say to you, I, I want to read the Bible, where should I start? Please tell them Mark's gospel. Okay, tell them Mark's gospel. He gets straight in. Now, this stuff in John's gospel is very good stuff, but it's not the place for somebody who doesn't really know a great deal about God's Word to start off. For you and me, it is actually incredible stuff. In the beginning was the Word. That's how it's describing Jesus. The Word was with God. Jesus was with God at the beginning. He was God. He was he w the same was. In other words, He existed in the beginning with God, right? But when Jesus came to earth, the Word, He was God's statement to us, the Word. He was God talking to us. He was the expression of the heart of God, like our words are the expression of what we're thinking and feeling. So Jesus came, the Word came, and, and He came to show us how God was and what God was like. And in John's Gospel 1 verse 14, it says this. Here's what happened that first Christmas. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came as God's Word, as the message, the messenger of God to show us the way of salvation, to lift us up to the place where we had faith and we had hope of eternity. Proverbs 15, 23 says this, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. How good it is. Now, you may be sitting here today and you say, Roger, you're talking about being generous with your stuff. I, I don't have enough stuff to pay the electric bill this month. And that's a tough place to be, and I know that because we've been there. But I want to tell you this. There are many ways to be generous, and being generous with your words is one of them. A word spoken in due season, like at the right time. How do we know it's the right time? We don't. We just do it. We speak, and we show people, and we remind people. We care about them. They are valued by us. They are important to us. They are important to God, that they really, really do matter. We speak and we encourage them. Don't try to fix other people's problems. You can't fix your own. But you can lift people up and you can encourage them and you can speak life-giving words to them. I, I was doing some uh, online training the other night for some staff with Weight Watchers and I was, I was joined with a trainer from 
Long Beach, California, and the two of us did it together. And uh, after we finished and everybody had left, I reminded her of something which she didn't remember at all that happened three years ago. And it was three months after I'd had my bypass surgery and had some battles with some complications. And the first place I ever kind of took a trip to was I went to Dallas for a gathering of trainers. And I probably shouldn't have gone, but I, I just wanted to get my life back. And uh, I went to Dallas, and the first morning, we were ready to start the session, and I, I felt lousy. And um, I'm just thinking, I don't know why I'm doing this. I really shouldn't be here. And everybody's settling into the room, and then I looked over, um, just glanced over by the door, and I saw this lady, Jocelyn, come in. And I saw her come in, and as she came into the room, I saw a couple of people went up to say hello to her because everybody was meeting each other. We just arrived and went up to say hello. And I heard her say this. She said, I'll be back in a minute, but I must see Roger first. And she came across the room to where I was and she hugged the life out of me. And she said, I'm just glad to see you back. And you know what? That changed my whole day. That changed the whole experience of those days I was down there. All it took was one person who said, I'm glad to see you back. And that was enough. There are people sitting here today, and that's all they really need. It's somebody to tell them, I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thank you for being here. Just that word, just that word that lifts people up. Be generous with your words. Let's not live this December, this month of Christmas, let's not live it oblivious to other people, but let's live it with our eyes open, our ears open, and our hearts open so that we can be a blessing to those who need to hear something that will lift them up. Colossians 4 verse 6 says this, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them off. Be gracious in your speech, or I'll put a different word in there and say be generous in your speech. So as we contemplate the gift, God's indescribable gift, my encouragement to you today is Let's be generous with our wealth, with our stuff. Let's be generous with our worship and prioritize God this month. And let's be generous with our words and look to lift up other people. But just as I finish, I will come back to something I mentioned earlier. And I'm simply going to ask you this question. How's your God connection? How's your God connection? Did something happen to flick the switch off? Did something happen and it means you're not where you once were? Today would be a wonderful day just to open your heart to God and say, God, I want to reconnect with you. Let's pray together. And as we pray, I just want to give you a moment just if that's where you're at today, if you feel estranged from God, separated from God,
the starting point is to reconnect with him. And you do that just very simply today by saying, God, I need you. I need to know I'm connected to you. Lord, please come near. I want to know I'm in your hand. I need to know I'm yours. God, please come. Help me. Heal me. Make me whole. And make me a blessing to others, I pray. Amen. Amen. As you leave today, if you're a first-time guest with us, please do stop by the front desk through the barn doors on the left. Uh, and we have a gift we'd love to give you as our expression of thanks to you for joining us. Let's stand with the band and we'll sing this final song.